0: Welcome everyone to Have Disability, Will Travel, a podcast from the Accessible Travel Forum. In this podcast, we journey around the world and talk to people in the accessible travel industry, influencers, nonprofits, travel companies, and people like you and me who don't let our disabilities get in the way of a great vacation. My name is Josh, and I'm glad you're along for the ride. So grab your passport and let's get going. episode, we talk with Linda Crabtree. I first heard about Linda from Elizabeth Graham, who is in episode four of this podcast. Linda has had an impact on thousands of people around the world through her organization, CMT International, which provided not only information, but emotional support for those who were living with CMT and trying to understand a disability that was not well understood. After winding down her role in CMT International, she continued to change the world by starting Accessible Niagara to help travelers with disabilities fully enjoy their vacations in and around Niagara Falls. After handing Accessible Niagara over to new project owners, she took some time out to write her autobiography, CMT and Me. Let's go to the interview now so you can hear from Linda in her own words. Hello, Linda. Thank you for uh, joining us today. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm great. Thanks.
0: W- where are we contacting you? You're in Canada, right? In
1: Saint Catharines, Ontario, St. southern Ontario.
0: So that's sort of the lowest part, of this, the most southern part of Canada, then, right? So yep, it's, it's we Still, will. it's still not crazy cold yet, right? Are you getting there?
1: Well, today it's like uh, five centigrade, which is 40 Fahrenheit, and
0: that's warm for this time. <laughs> okay. So, well, I'm glad I'm here in sunny Tokyo still. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to jump into the questions and uh, want to find out a little bit about you. Um, first of all, can you tell us about your disability? Um, I've never heard of it. It's called CMT, I believe. Can you explain about that?
1: Yeah, it stands for, uh, CMT stands for Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. It's also known as hereditary motor and sensory neuropathy. And it's named after three doctors, Charcot-Marie and Tooth who all sort of discovered named it whatever back in forty fifty something. Okay. Sorry, I'm not sure when, but um, it's not got nothing to do with your teeth and nothing to do with sharks. <laughs> but that's what people think right. when they for the name. But how it's affected me is it's I'm seventy six. I've over my years I've lost the use of my legs okay. totally. Right. Cannot stand, I can't walk, I can't stand. So I I transfer sideways. Okay. Now, and I'm losing the use of my hands, which is I thought not being able to walk was hard, but this is really hard. Mm. Um, I have a very weak diaphragm, so I don't breathe very well. Mm. I only have one vocal cord that works, and uh, oh, there's a few other little things that are going wrong. But it's 76. What do you want?
0: (laughs) So it's a very uh, uncommon. That condition, isn't it?
1: One in, one in twenty five hundred.
0: Oh wow! So there's
1: something like three million of us around the world.
0: Okay. Do, do they, the doctors know right away, or was there some time where they tried no to figure things out?
1: I was twelve before I was, I was diagnosed, and I was born in the forties. So there was polio, and they thought maybe I would had polio, but no, it's a, it's a genetic disease. My mother had it; she didn't even know she had it. Oh right. And uh, yeah, so it uh, came from mom, mom had it like one out of 10, I've got it nine out of 10.
2: Oh, okay. So
1: Mom died at 96, and uh, she could still use her hands, and if they'd let her in long-term care, she would have been able to walk. Right. But, but sh- so she, she was an antiques dealer all her life, and we finished furniture and did all kinds of marvelous things. But my CMT has limited me. As
0: far as my physical capabilities go, right. Okay. So uh, you said um, you, know, you grew up in St. Catharines in the '40s, then, or that's where you were born. Mm-hmm. Then, and um, so what was things like in the '50s and '60s when you're, um, you know, in your uh, going to high school and stuff like that? Was was it? It was tough. Mm. Yeah, it was tough. Fell downstairs, I don't know
1: how many times in high school. Oh, okay. And and of course you're always sort of centered out when you're you're the disabled kid. Right. And you know, it wasn't. People, kids were pairing off in high school, and well, finally, I paired off. All right, I found a boyfriend at age fifteen.
2: So, all right, so there you go.
1: Know, well, you know, it was. I write about that in, in my book. Yeah. Um, but it was tough. I, I wore great big metal braces because I had complete foot drop. Okay. I had to walk sort of like a horse. I couldn't couldn't lift my feet up, so I had to lift my whole my foot from my thigh. Right. So you know, like a horse, blocks, like flop flop. Okay. Well, that's how I. You see a person who's had a stroke. Right. And they have they sort of flop one leg one leg. Okay. They're, okay. Well, I flopped both. Flopped both feet. Okay. So I had to wear braces to hold the feet up, and big metal braces. And of course, the braces would break. Right. And I couldn't walk. Oh no. and I Had to get rescued. And I mean, it was. It was a crazy childhood. Mind you, I had a good time. I, I played baseball. We built forts. We, we did all kinds of crazy things. I did most of the things that other kids did. Right. It was just harder and took me longer and took me forever to learn how to ride a bike.
2: Right. But I, I, you rode a bike? Uh, okay. That's crazy. That's yeah,
1: great. I, was, I didn't know how to stop. <laughs> I could ride, but I couldn't put my foot down, my toe down. Oh, no. To stop. Oh. So, ah. Uh, so I figured out very quickly that I had to go up to a curb. Right. So the curb was higher, right? Right, right. And I put my whole foot down on it. Oh. Okay. Been many curbs. oh. I was I was in deep doo doo. So <laughs> but it was it was a wonderful childhood really. It was tough in one way. Mm. But it made me tougher. Right. It showed me, you know, that I could I could do things, I could do whatever other kids did. Almost as long as I, I just kept at it. Don't give up. Mm. So I never
0: did. I just kept going. It's good, especially on the bike. You just kept going because <laughs> you couldn't stop. Right. Yeah, I
1: just
0: kept going. So you yeah. said the curbs worked out well for you stopping. Um, but speaking of curbs, um, at that time in Canada, uh, were there you know thoughts of making places accessible, like having cuts in the curbs or no, no, no. not at all. Okay,
1: no, I knew every driveway cut in every street from my house all the way to high school. Okay. You no know, I had to find driveways. Right. Because I couldn't get down and up the curbs.
2: Okay. So I walked there
1: gutters a lot
2: because
1: oh, you'd walk along the road till you came to a driveway and then you could get up on the sidewalk.
0: Okay. So there wasn't really much thinking about accessibility back then. Oh, no, none. Not really.
3: yeah.
1: None.
0: Oh. So yeah. um then that's sort of on the physical thing, but um, going to, uh, you know, after you finished uh, your time at school and then you went on to work, did you have a, a difficult time finding work because of your disability? Were there any stigmas or anything like that?
1: Part of it was, I, I went to art school in Montreal. Okay. Um, I, had, I had a bunch of operations. I, went, I, I quit school at 17.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: my first job at the local newspaper in the morgue which is the library right and i loved it it was wonderful and one of the the photographers there told me about a friend of his who was studying to be an orthopedic surgeon at mcgill in montreal right he thought maybe he could help me and he did he hooked me up with a doctor in california who was moving up to st Catharines to get married and I ended up having two and a half years of surgery oh, wow. okay. on my feet so that they didn't flop anymore. Right. And after that, I headed off to art school in Montreal for three years. Hmm. After art school, trying to get a job in Montreal was incredibly hard.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Because I could get an interview appointment. Right. But I couldn't get in Oh. because there would be steps. Oh. And I couldn't climb the stairs right. with a portfolio under my arm. Right. And if it was raining, mm. I couldn't get a cab because everybody wanted a cab. Right. So my cab didn't come, and I missed the interview, and I didn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't show up, lady, so you don't get the job, oh. and you don't even
2: get an interview. Right. Oh.
1: So I got a job in a, an office running a switchboard. I wasn't that great at it. I didn't like it. Finally, I decided I was coming home. Right. I'm going back to Toronto anyway, and okay. I did, and I got a job in Toronto doing uh, making commercials, I uh, hoping to make commercials. I was production manager. Okay. And I did okay. I did okay. Um, but I eventually got fired. I didn't know enough. Oh. And that's fine. You should be doing the job if you don't know enough. Right. Because you can't do well enough. So it's okay. I moved back home to St. Catharines, and uh, went back to work for the newspaper. Right. Which was easy to get the second time around because they knew me and they liked me and mm. I liked them. So I worked my way up at the newspaper from the editorial assistant to assistant family editor. It took me 12 years and I loved every minute of it. It was wonderful. Great. But I think we had to quit because I kept falling downstairs. I'd trip over telephone cords in the office. I was getting too weak, too mm. weak to do the job.
0: So I went on long-term disability. So um, after changing from the newspaper, then you, that was a transition into the second major stage, I guess, of your career, uh, or maybe the third, or yeah, but the second one, anyways, um, of uh, starting out CMT International. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about first of all what CMT International uh, did, what its main function was? Yeah.
1: You know, what happened was when I when I had to quit the Standard. Um, uh, I was really depressed and uh, of course you would be because I thought I would pretty well die there. Mm. Some people had, they'd worked there so long. And uh, my mom said, why don't you go back to school? So I did, I went back to university for a degree in psychology because I wanted to find out what what was grieving all about, what was happening to me, why was I so depressed? Right my disability had taken away everything I thought I knew and loved and and like why, okay but in the second year of, of university during the summer there weren't any summer courses that I really wanted to take
3: mm.
1: so I thought I'm going to find out about the CMT and what it's all about right? because I didn't really know much, I had a little piece of paper mm. I had photocopied out of a book at the library and that was it one little paragraph and so I wrote the Muscular Dystrophy Association asking for information and they, they couldn't give me anything they didn't even answer me oh, no. so I wrote every newspaper in Canada every newspaper in the United States went up to the library photocopied editor and publisher book pages wrote every one of them and before I knew it I had 350 people asking me for information I couldn't I could not answer them, of course. I could hardly type. Right. So I figured best thing to do would be a newsletter. So I started a newsletter, okay. called called the CMT newsletter, sent it out to 350 people. And my husband said to me, as the checks came rolling in, for more information, you've got to start an organization and make it a registered charity so we can cash these checks and get these people income tax receipts. Right. And I thought to myself, "Oh my God, I started something." <laughs> and and it's true, I had I had started what turned out to be an international CMT International, which was a federally registered charity in Canada. And we eventually dealt with over ten thousand families with CMT all over the world. I put out one hundred and three CMT newsletters. Some of them, thirty-six pages, thirty-six, sorry, thirty-two, and uh, oh god, I was, for eighteen years oh, okay. I ran CMT International. So, Absolutely loved it. My husband worked for me because he realized I was lousy at managing money. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to me. Not like writing. Writing means something to me. Right. Money. Oh, okay, but he's a money man and. He looked after the office and everything that had to be done, right. except for the newsletter and the people. Okay. And that was
0: me. So, wh- I had a secretary. Go ahead. Oh, I was say, uh, what, what was the content of these, you had 32 pages in some of the um, uh, newsletters oh. you sent out? What, what kind of things were in these newsletters?
1: Well, we'd start off with letters to the editor, tons of that. Okay. I'd always have a personal thing that I would do in the first page. So and all kinds of letters from people, talking about the newsletter, talking about themselves. We'd have topics. We'd always have a different topic every month, ranging from childbirth to sex to bracing to everything. I mean, there's so many different things that that, that are involved with CMD. And we'd have research reports. Um, Oh God, you name it. I mean, it wasn't hard to fill up 32 pages, I'll tell you, because it went from eight. We started out with eight. Yeah. There weren't any computers. I didn't know how to. Um, well, I'm sorry. There were computers, but but they were in great big offices. They were huge, great big things. Right, right. Big, the clunky things, surrounded <laughs> by sounds. You know, a sound batter and yeah. whatever, and bats. And I, the first time I got a typeset was in an office. Uh, somebody said, well, I'll type it up for you. I had, first one I did, I typed it out in columns oh. on my typewriter, Right. cut up the columns, pasted them up, took it to a photocopy place, and got about 350 of them photocopied, eight right. pages. Folded them all up at home, both, then folded them in three, put them in an envelope, and sent them out. Oh, yeah. Okay, after that, it got better and better and better. Finally, we ended up, we got a computer funded. Our first one cost over $5,000. Wow, and that. it was, yeah, and it was the most rudimentary thing you ever saw in your life. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> but you know something, I could actually type. I right. could actually type and make columns. <laughs> and work nice, you know? So, <laughs> and I can make pages. I use PageMaker. Okay. I can make pages, I could type, set the page. I could do the whole thing, loved it. So as we got onto the you know, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 years, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. We had conventions
3: mm-hmm.
1: where doctors came and they looked at people. And I mean, people, they didn't know any doctors in their hometown or even their cities that knew CMT. So we brought specialists in from all over, Oh wow. and from, from England and, and uh, Australia and Gosh, we were well, all over the states, of course, in Canada, and we held our um, conventions in Toronto right. and Niagara Falls, Ontario. And then I went and did meetings down into the states, down in Florida, and other places. I went out to British Columbia. Okay. Had them up there. I went over to England. I had them in England.
2: Right.
1: Um, I had. Uh, I met a lot of people. Didn't have any meetings in Scotland, but I went to Scotland and okay. talked to some people there. So. And I mean, CMT International, to me, it was my baby. It was something I started. Mm. For 18 years, though, so I was pretty burned out. And so was my husband. Right. So, and we, we folded it after 18 years. And eventually, the Niagara, uh, what is it? The HNF, Hereditary Neuropathy Foundation. In
0: New York City, ended up with our complete mailing list. Oh, okay, so you um, oh, do good work. Mm. So you got to travel a lot, by the sounds of it. And you said um, at that yeah. at that point, um, were you walking, or were you using a wheelchair, or a scooter, or anything like that? Or I guess it probably uh, yeah, changed I over the eighteen a scooter, years. But yeah,
1: scooter mostly. Yeah, I scooter. Scooter, or wheelchair, depending on where it was.
0: Okay, and um, you traveled to England and uh, went up to Scotland as well. So at that time, were you in a scooter or are you walking a bit or are you?
1: I was in a wheelchair because oh. we couldn't find a, I've been to England three times and I, I, the one time I went, we were on the Concorde.
2: Oh wow, okay.
1: And that, yeah, And that was amazing. <laughs> that was, absolutely amazing uh, i'll give you a couple of minutes do you want to know
0: yeah um, oh please please yeah
1: fabulous okay concord it was 1992 right. and i wanted to go over for a convention right The M T convention they were holding over there and didn't have didn't have enough money but we we got enough we managed it was about f- we got it down to about fifty eight hundred dollars for two people one way
2: right okay? one way okay
1: yeah and uh, We ended up in Toronto. You normally fly out of Toronto. You flew out of New York. right? But a whole bunch of seniors had had uh, chartered it. And there were a couple of seats left. And I got it and then I brought my niece with me because I needed someone yeah. to help me. So okay. So we, this time I took a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Because you can't take a scooter on a Concorde, there just isn't enough room. Right. And England, uh, not that many curb cuts, it's tough to get around in, right. I found one way. And I thought I'll start out with a wheelchair, but I had, I had, uh, what would you say, well I'd rented mm-hmm. a scooter, oh. and it was going to be at the place where we were staying, the people we were staying down, right in Midtown London, Right. and well, the, the Concorde. Um, I, I got made a few notes. It's got a maximum speed of 1,354 miles an hour, okay, <laughs> which is 2,180 kilometers an hour, okay. Right. It seats between 92 and 228 people. The one I was on had 100 seats. Nice. Period. It's got about five, five cabin staff, and I think it was two or three in the. The um, you know running the thing or flying it, yeah. Okay, it when you take off, it's going three hundred miles an hour Whoa. with thirty-eight thousand pounds of thrust to cool off the engines because they get so hot. It's, which as you take off, they have to cool them down.
2: Oh wow! So
1: they do it at three hundred miles an hour, <laughs> which is incredible.
2: Oh okay. it's just
1: incredible when you're going up. Mm-hmm. You're going up 500 feet every 10 seconds. Oh. okay. And when they really put the gas on, <laughs> the little curtains by the windows are on a slant. Right. Like you're on a slant, and they're going down this way, so that you know that you're going up like this, and the curtains, okay, the curtains oh. are straight. You right. know, and there are little foam cushions at your feet to push on. Because you're going up and such a slant. Oh, wow. Oh, it's incredible. I'm (laughs) telling you. You're going to be in England in four hours.
2: Wow. So from
1: Toronto to England, boom, four hours. You're going up, up, up. You go up really fast. Mm. It looks like everything's standing still when you're up and going level. Right. Because you're going the speed of sound. And. You're going Mach Mach one, okay? Wow. Which is just incredible. So, well, when we got when we started sort of cruising, we were going point nine four, which is just about the speed of sound, okay? Mm-hmm. So, then we're all eating, and I'm telling you, the meals on that they were gourmet meals, just incredible stuff, and the. We were, were all in the middle of a meal, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, it's the speed of sound, and beyond, we were going Mach point 1.14. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, the windows, I remember reaching over to my to my left, the window was hot like a little oven. Really? It's, yeah, it's triple thick, and it's about half the size of a normal airplane window. Okay. It's so small, I think if it was bigger, the heat would be so much that the cabin would be so hot and you couldn't tolerate it.
2: Right, wow. So
1: when I touched it, wow, I thought, that's really hot. <laughs> and I so I, I thought, mm, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> so they're triple thick, like little furnaces. I was told this, the plane actually stretched seven and a half inches due to the heat. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. The plane stretched. So this beautiful, long, white plane oh, with our needle nose stretched, so ah, <laughs> you could see the curve. When you looked out the window, yeah. you could see the curve of the Earth.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. So because, really high up there. Oh, closest I'll ever get to being a, an outer space, I'll tell you. <laughs> we were 55,500 feet up.
0: Oh, that's, yeah! wow. That's pretty high then.
1: Yeah. 30,000 is north, normal, yeah. cruising, I think. For a normal airplane, okay. so we were almost twice that. Right. I mean, we were up there, and eventually we ended up at Mach two,
2: mm.
1: which which is twice the sound of speed. Right. We were going so fast that, well, the sunset. When you looked behind you, you could see the sunset. Right. Back, because we were going into morning.
2: Right, right.
1: And the sunset looked like a rainbow around the earth. Oh, wow. It was just absolutely beautiful. Oh. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was just, talk about, I mean, it was $5,000. Big deal, isn't it? <laughs> you know, we were Mach 2 for two hours up there. Right. Just the whole plane vibrated. Okay. So it was just all the time. <laughs> and, and yet it was such a fast vibration. You could hear the person beside you. You could hear some of the people around you. Yeah. But but you could also hear this constant vibration. Oh. Which kind of worried me a little bit, but they said, no, 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 it's fine. It's oh, fine. yeah. Okay. Then you're 20 minutes at Mach 1. Uh, sorry, no. Mach 2 for 2 hours and 20 minutes. That's when you're flying straight across. Right. Mach 1 for 1 hour and 15 minutes. And the, and the rest of the time is takeoff and landing. Oh. So you're you're going up. You're going up. You're going across. You're yeah. going down. Right. That's all. Is it. Just bam. Four hours. You're in England.
0: Oh wow! And normal takes about what seven and a half hours, eight hours to get there.
1: Yes. And by that time, I was a wreck. You know, oh. seven and a half, eight hours. Plus, you've been in the airport for maybe three. Yeah. I couldn't do that. I just. That's why I said I'm going to go. Yeah. If I'm going to go, I'm going to take the Concorde. Yeah. So I did, and I mean, it was just, it was just the most. Incredible flight I'd ever had in my life. I've been up soaring, which I absolutely love gliding. Mm. But this, you're up so far, Aww. and the world is down there, and it's just amazing. But it, the Concorde, they they eventually uh, retired them all right. I think they retired them. They retired them all in 2003 when one of the French ones crashed and everybody right. was killed. Mm. Just such a complete disaster.
0: Yeah.
2: And
1: it's so expensive to run.
0: Oh, I can
2: imagine, yeah.
1: It's incredibly expensive. A lot of people couldn't afford it. But it was so fabulous. But you know, I hear that they're thinking of bringing it back. Oh. Even better than before.
0: Oh, that sounds good. But I I don't know. I think I'd be a wreck. I have enough trouble on normal planes. I don't know if I can handle one like that.
1: You just have to grit your teeth and bear it and love it. Yeah. Because it's just an experience that. Well, I'll never have again. That's for
0: sure. Absolutely wonderful. We'll see. So, um, okay, we, uh, before we go into your next stage with the uh, Niagara uh, work, um, don't want to let anybody miss out on the opportunity to hear all the accomplishments you've had through CMT International. And um, in, in reading your book, I was just amazed at how many times you've been honored with things. Um, so, you probably can't list them all. But uh, what are maybe some of your um, you know honors that you're the most proud of? Uh, through your work through CMT International.
1: Oh gosh, you would ask me that. I, <laughs> I don't have a list, but I got a few. Um, I got my medals right in front of me here on the wall.
2: Oh okay.
1: Um, well, there's the Order of Canada, okay. which is huge. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what comes with a great big certificate? It costs more to frame <laughs> than any of the others. <laughs> but I did frame it. Of course, I didn't yeah. Get in the drawer. I framed it. It's a beautiful certificate and a medal. And then it comes with little pins that you can wear. And if you see people with a little pin that looks like a daisy, a white daisy, uh-huh. that's Order of Canada. Okay. People have said to me, well, I like your little daisy. Just a little thing, you know, it's tiny little thing. Right. It's like a lapel pin that a man would wear. Right, right. That's the Order of Canada. You so, see it on newscasters so
0: and people. Those Canada? who know, know kind of thing. Right. Yes, they do. Yeah.
1: And I have the Order of Ontario, which is the highest honor my province can get. Right. I have the Rick Hansen Award of Excellence. And Rick Rick is the fellow that wheelchaired around the world. Yeah. Way back. Yeah. Okay. Well, he runs an organization out of British Columbia and does wonderful things. I've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, I've got a couple of medals, Queen's medals, things like that. Oh wow. I think I've got twenty four. Different awards. Okay. And uh, I just bought a couple of years ago. Funny story. I got the David C. Onley um, Award for uh, what, Leadership and Accessibility. Mm. Role model. Oh. Well, they only give role model to old people. So <laughs> um, I went, I, I got it. And they gave you $5,000 with it, which is wonderful. Yeah. First time. My husband said, finally, you get an award that's worth something. <laughs> well, <laughs> being a money man. So I got the money, and then they said they were going to tax me.
0: Oh.
1: I thought, how can you do that? You give somebody an award? Yeah. Mm So I thought tooth and nail, and now they don't tax you anymore.
0: Oh, well, (laughs) a lot lot of people are very thankful to you, I'm sure.
1: Well, I don't think they ever thought of it. You know that?
0: Yeah, that's. I
1: don't think they realized that the people they were giving it to were being taxed. Hmm. Because you don't hand somebody an award and it taxed
0: them. Yeah, it'd be awful if somebody, you know, got the money and then used it all and then told they were being taxed and then, you well, know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, someone but was... you know what I do with that?
1: Hmm. I invested in medical marijuana stocks.
0: <laughs> there you yeah. go.
1: and I have done very well. <laughs> because, it's just legalized it, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, two years ago, I started investing in medical marijuana stocks and... I'm really glad I did.
0: Yeah. I do you yeah. is that helpful for your condition as well or?
1: Yeah, you know it helps. Okay. It helps me sleep. And yeah. it does help the pain. I use oil for pain. Right. And I use uh, I vape it for sleep. Okay. I yeah. don't use very much. At all like one good drag at night and I'm out.
0: <laughs> I'm gone
1: in about 10 minutes. Right. It just relaxes everything.
0: Okay. Well, you just make sure you don't smoke away your profits on that then.
1: <laughs>
0: no way, <laughs> no,
1: couldn't possibly, okay,
0: so it's good stuff. So yeah, okay, I just want to talk a bit about, because uh, this is a podcast about accessible travel, um, and so yeah. I want people to know about how uh, great Niagara is, and um, the work that you've done to help promote accessibility there. So after you finished yeah. CMT International, you started another local project called Accessible Niagara. Um, yeah, I did, um, in
1: fact I started it even before. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I did. I was doing both, but it's a website AccessibleNiagara.com. dot com. Right. Yep. Spell Niagara and N I A G A R A. Right. Because people we'll forget one of the A's and it won't come up. Okay. Um, AccessibleNiagara.com. Um, what I did was, I know how hard it is to travel mm. with a disability. Right. I know how hard it is to get out of a bathtub. Yeah. Or to get into a shower with a lip to get into a bed that's too high, to even get into a hotel when the doors aren't automatic. So being a student of universal design, Mm -hmm. I went out and I audited a great many hotels in Niagara Falls, Ontario, which is a huge tourism sector in Ontario. And I put up this website and we've got everything on it from, from hotels to restaurants to campgrounds to Shopping, museums, uh, oh, you name it, mm-hmm. it's there. And I ran that for 12 years.
2: Okay.
1: Just as well as everything else I was doing. Right. I was writing a newspaper column for 22 years as well. So that that really sort of ingratiated me to people in the area who were into travel and accessible travel. Mm. And I taught a lot of people about accessible travel and about disabled people and how hard it was
2: mm. to
1: travel when you're disabled. Right. Well, an awful lot of people found us. They found accessible Niagara yeah. They thought people would write me, tell me what a great trip they had, or they'd ask me a million questions. Right. Like you now Arlinda, would you set me up a, a itinerary? Uh, we're gonna be here for two weeks, what can we do?
2: Yeah.
1: Well I'm not a travel agent. Right. And right. I don't want a disability. But I would say, look at the site, figure out what you want to do, write it all down, Mm -hmm. then talk to me, and I'll tell you if it's possible or not. Right. For your condition. Yeah. Everybody wanted to know if they could go on the Maid of the Mist, which is now Hornblower. Okay. Well, that's a boat trip that takes you right into the falls.
2: Okay. Into
1: the of the falls.
2: Right.
1: It, it's one of the most awesome things I've ever done. Okay. My my husband and I go every couple of years. Yeah. Get on the, the ship and go in. It only takes about twenty minutes tops, but it, it, the, the torrent, the water coming down on you, the the roar, the the ferocity of the thing is just
2: awesome. Oh in the wow. Real,
1: real sense of the word. Yeah. It's just incredible. You're with a whole bunch of people. On this little boat, mm. you are covered in a plastic rain cake. Right. Your scooter is covered with another one. The back is, I always end up with a puddle under my
2: mom <laughs>
1: because it runs down my rain cape into my into the back of my scooter, oh, no. and I'm sitting on my my uh, gel pad. Right. And and it gets all wet, oh, no. and I'm pushing, and <laughs> you know, it's so much fun. They don't care. <laughs> it's. Yes, you can. And these are the things I'm telling people. Mm. Yes, you can. You can do these things. And about four or five years ago, a friend of mine happened to divulge the fact that he had studied filmmaking in Toronto, Mm. even though he was now an organic farmer. So I said to him, you know, Jordan, I would love to make a film of Niagara Falls.
2: Yeah.
1: What you can do in Niagara Falls. So I found some funding, and we ended up with, I think it was four couples, and my husband and I, and we went out and we did all these things. We went to the hotels, we went to the the great big Ferris wheel, we went on the the horn blower, we went went just about everywhere you can think of. And it was absolutely great, and so many people have seen that, that, that video, is on accessibleniagara.com. Oh, okay. I hope it is. I didn't look at it right before we did this because about five, six months ago, I sold accessibleniagara.com for $5. Okay. To make it to a man in Niagara Falls
2: right.
1: who has Asperger's and he wanted, well, put it this way he was one of the few people who would take it on. Right. A lot of people don't want to be bothered.
2: Mm. They
1: don't know. They don't know why it
2: exists. Right.
1: They can't get it. I get it. You yeah.
2: get it. Oh yeah.
1: A lot of your listeners will get it, but a lot of people who can walk don't get it. Mm. They can't. They just it just doesn't in them. Mm. They haven't had the experiences we have, and when you have had. Experiences of having to travel the way we do—you yeah. know how great it is to be shown by somebody who is disabled that yes, you can
2: do this.
0: Oh yeah, it's yeah, the, the yeah. encouragement, and also and having information and like you said, the video there. For example, um, whenever I plan to go somewhere, I, I often spend time looking on YouTube, um, you know, and having vi- looking at videos trying to get an idea of what the place might be like, and and mm-hmm. if there's one that's about accessible travel, there that just gives me. Uh, so much more confidence that I can go there and that I can yes. have a good time and that it's, yes. w- it's worth my time to look into it and uh, it's so yeah. important to have those kind of things and there's just yeah. really not enough right now and I think we need to really work on improving those things. Have you felt that? No, I always, th- said, hmm. go no, ahead, I always say, do your homework, oh. that's
1: my, do your homework, that way your vacation won't be, be ruined.
0: Mm. You said the people don't get the website necessarily, but have you felt that uh, Canada and Niagara in particular have improved in accessibility for tourism? For example, um, the attractions as well as the hotels, have they gotten better than they were before?
1: Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah, they're starting to realize that people with disabilities are a a huge tourism niche market, that they are. There are millions of us. And we've got billions of dollars mm. and we can spend it if they can make it accessible for us. Yeah. I've been I've spent years trying to get them to have one hotel that is totally universal design mm. and so that we can have conventions in one place so that they don't have to be people don't have to be transported from about twenty different hotels. Right. Because it's one in one in ten rooms. So if you no, sorry, it's one in a hundred. Oh. So we'll place a place the hotel with I think that's what it is, with a hundred rooms would have one, two hundred rooms would have two. Oh, okay. That could, so you've you've got my well, god, I think there's one hotel, the Hilton, it has fourteen rooms. Hmm. We you know that that a convention doesn't make.
2: Yeah.
1: So everybody's gotta be busted in and by the time you're bust, you're exhausted, you're hungry, mm-hmm. you've got to It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So we need one really good hotel. Yeah. It's got a beautiful convention area downstairs. It's all universal design. Upstairs, people can stay. They would attract so many
3: oh, conventions
1: sure. from all across the world. Yeah. But nobody's done it yet. Mm. But you know, there's a group in Amherst, New York, which is right across the border. Right. And they just this week announced they're building their first totally. Universal Design Hotel.
2: All right.
1: Oh, it's starting, it's starting, it's starting, and if they do it in New York, they'll do it in Niagara Falls, because they don't wanna be behind. Yeah. (laughs) No, and I'm so damn pleased, I don't know who I'm gonna tell in Niagara Falls, Ontario, but I'm gonna get the word out. All right. Because they're still building hotels there.
0: Okay, yeah. And they
1: ignore the fact that they need to be accessible.
0: Exactly. And it's not just yeah, people with disabilities, there's uh, you know, uh the elderly and there's people with um, you know, temporary disabilities as well. There's so many people that can use these things. It's not and if it's not being used by somebody who has a disability, it can be used by somebody else. It's not like it can't be used. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's not like a real risk. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, universal, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Um just in closing out, um, I had an incredible time reading your book. I loved it so much. Um and it's called CMTN Me, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and you just, I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, it, it wasn't some uh, what do they call it, uh, inspiration A party porn,
3: party.
0: or uh, yeah. So it was it was just very real. I, I enjoyed how you talked about the ups and downs, um, as well as very in, intimate parts of your life um, mm-hmm. and in your work. So it covered so much. and I think it was just incredible. And I want lots of people to pick it up and read it. Um, so can you tell us where you can get a copy of uh, CMT and Me?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's called CMT and Me. and the, the uh, I guess the subtitle you'd say. It's called a, An Intimate 75-Year Journey of Love, Loss, and Refusal to Surrender <laughs> to a Disabling Disease. You don't have to remember that. It's right. just CMT and Me. That's like Charlie, Mother, Tom, and right. Me. It's available on Amazon, okay, and Oboe and Kindle, and all the other ebook providers. I think right. there's enough 12 or 15 of them, yeah, that have them. And it's 325 pages, I think. And there's over 225 photos mm. in, in the uh, print book, yeah. And there's uh, a bit fewer in the ebook because it's kind of nuts to put so many in an ebook,
2: okay, but
1: uh, I've got some really good reviews, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. It's two and a half years it took to write the thing.
2: Okay. But,
1: but Amazon, I just got my first royalty check uh, two days ago from Europe, right. and it was mostly, and I also get a lot of things from a lot of uh, e- ebook spot in japan okay really quite neat because you get paid for each one separately which is so weird oh. but when i see this thing come up on my computer and then it says japan oh, like, oh me yes
0: well, well one of them was me anyways
1: <laughs> well that's nice of you thank you so much
0: Okay, good. So definitely want to recommend that to people. And uh, just lastly, um, how can people get in touch with you um, as well as accessible to Niagara? I know you're not affiliated with that right at the moment, but it's still, I think, good for people to get in touch with them uh, to encourage uh, the new owner of the importance of the website. So if they can get mm-hmm. in touch with you. And um, oh, so one last thing I want to touch on for people who are just listening. Uh, there's a lot of lovely uh, art in the background, and uh, you are an artist as well. I don't want to miss that out. Um and so they, you have a website as well?
1: Yeah, just com. Okay. There's not much of my artwork on it because it's very hard to take pictures. Of pictures. Right, right, but, yeah. but I do have artwork all over the place. I can't pay much anymore because of my hands. Right. So my husband said don't sell any because you're not going to do any more. Mm. But they seem to go out of here anyway. But uh, I'm, I'm working on a couple right now. I, it takes me a long time, but I do them. Yeah. Um, they can get in touch me with me through uh, email easily. Okay. It's Linda at LindaCrabtree.com. Okay, very Linda
2: easy to
1: LindaCrabtree.com, really simple. Yeah. And my, my website, LindaCrabtree.com, there's a contact on that, I believe. And uh, AccessibleNagra.com is the travel site.
0: Okay,
1: great. And the book is available on Amazon, CMT and me.
0: All right. Thank you so much for your time. It's uh, it's getting late there, um, so I thank you very much for uh, putting up with the time differences for us, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This, is, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Josh. All right, thank you so much. Take care. Take okay, bye I had a fantastic time talking with Linda. And I hope you enjoyed listening. I encourage you to check out Linda's website, lindacrabtree.com. Also, I cannot emphasize enough how much I enjoyed her book, CMT and Me. And I highly encourage you to pick it up on Amazon. I'll have links to both those things on the website. Speaking of the website, I would love to have you join us on the Accessible Travel Forum, www.accessibletravelforum.com. The more users we have, the more useful the site will become. Be sure to ask questions and share your knowledge. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is AccessibleTF. That's AccessibleTF. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with friends. Do you have someone who might be interested in being interviewed? Do you want to be interviewed? If so, then please contact us at podcast at AccessibleTravelForum.com. That's podcast at AccessibleTravelForum.com. Keep enjoying your travels. Hopefully we'll bump into each other along the way. Until next time, I'm Josh, and this is Have Disability, Will Travel.